JBFE Studios is the Jade Motel Football Experience. And now here's your host, Jake Botel. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and everybody in between. My voice literally just broke. How fantastic. Glad you could be here for it. Whew. Again, have to reiterate, not drinking a beer. I am cracking a can, but not of beer. Last week it was ginger beer. This week, it's a can of organic cola kombucha. That's right. You've just tuned in to an American football podcast hosted by some crazy hippie Australian guzzling cola kombucha in the middle of nowhere. And welcome. Couldn't be more pleased to have you on this episode of the Jake Botel Football Experience. If it's your first time, welcome. Welcome to the madness. Uh, hope you'll stick around because there's always much football to chop up. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. Settle into uh, you know, your usual chair, your usual corner of the JBFE. Get comfy. Grab a can of whatever you're drinking. Unless, of course, you're driving, in which case, you know, do the responsible thing, pull over and, you know, listen to this episode and just take, you know, 45 minutes to yourself. Wherever you go, I know you're on your way to work, but what's 45 minutes out of your schedule really going to cost you, ultimately? You know, 45 minutes. 45 minutes out of your day. We could all do with 45 minutes less of our day job, surely. Just pull over on the side of the road. Pull off to a you know, little campsite or something. Find yourself a spot down near a river. Kick off your shoes, wiggle the toes, and plug, plug the old JBFE into the old ear holes and have a listen. <laughs> uh, let's get to some football. This is another episode of just me flying solo, enjoying doing these episodes. Love having guests on, and we'll look forward to having guests on again. But at the moment, my work schedule, my, my day job schedule is sort of all a little bit all over the place. I'm sure that there are others out there amongst the listenership who's regularly scheduled programming isn't so regularly scheduled anymore in the wake of this COVID thing and whether you're going into or coming out of lockdown or whatever it might be. Life is a little bit all over the place. So I'm just taking the opportunity to record episodes when I can, when I have the inspiration, when a topic comes to mind. Uh, just trying to go with it. Go with the flow. I told you, I'm a hippie at heart. Just a hippie that loves watching 300-pound men uh, crash into each other at high speeds. So, 
that's what happened today. No, no, I wasn't crashed into by 300-pound men at high speeds, but I was struck with the inspiration uh, for an episode. And specifically, uh, the, the episode idea started on during watching Thursday Night Football. Um, I'm actually trying to remember who that game was now off the top of my head. Whatever it was, Thursday Night Football. For some reason, I feel like it was the Eagles, but no, they played on the weekend. Anyway. That part of it, probably not so important. It was the Colts and the Titans. Remembered it. Bam. Colts, Titans, Thursday Night Football. And I was watching it as per usual. Try and tune into as much of the NFL as I can and some college football uh, more intensely this season as well. But what, I guess, piqued my interest or inspiration to do an episode was a fourth and one situation I believe for the Titans and I I believe they went for it on fourth down or it looked like they were going to go for it on fourth down whatever it might have been and the the announcers was Troy Aikman and Joe Buck Joe Buck and Troy Aikman... Have you ever noticed that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck kind of have the same voice with a slightly different accent? They kind of have a very similar vocal quality. Just different accents. Don't know if anyone else has picked up on this. I mean, I guess if you work with someone for 25, 30 years or however long they've been in the booth together... Um, yeah, maybe you do pick up each other's vocal quality, but have really noticed that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I think, actually may be um, the same person doing two different voices. Alternative theory: they both came out of the same uh, Android facility, like the the same NFL uh, broadcaster robot factory. Um, and same voice actor recorded the act, the the voices for for each of the robots, but the NFL was like, "Hey, we you got to put an accent on one of them. You got to make them, you know, able to be differentiated if they're going to share a booth. So can you put a slight, you know, whatever twang on on one?" The guy's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Actually, if it was the actor, he's probably, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um. <laughs> anyway. Enough of my terrible Joe Buck, Troy Aikman impressions. Um, and enough of me unraveling that tantalizing theory. Because if I unravel too much, um, the Goodell fellas might hunt me down and you may never hear it from me again. So anyway, I was watching the game, Tennessee and Indianapolis Colts. The, uh, the Titans are lining up to go for it on fourth and one. And Troy Aikman starts in his usual kind of spiel about, well, the analytics would say that this is where you go for it. And sort of this really condescending kind of, wow, this is where the analytics really say you should go for it on fourth down. I don't know if I agree. There's no phrase. Well, there are some phrases that annoy me more, but this one annoys me in particular. When people, when, when broadcasters say, they start talking about the analytics quote, unquote, the analytics, as though the entire ideology 
of data analytics as it pertains to football is this one homogenous mind meld organism that thinks and operates in exactly the same way. The analytics, one singular entity, the analytics. It drives me up the wall because I enjoy the numbers behind sport. I enjoy the idea, the philosophies of analytics. I loved reading Moneyball, which sort of ties in as well. Um, I love statistics. I like the idea of using data sets to complement your thinking and decision-making. I love the analysis of data and how it and the 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 opportunity analyzing the data gives us to do things in our lives better and it's not just football. So it frustrates me when it gets painted as this simplistic as I say homogenous monoculture of ideas. This one entity, analytics. The analytics says to go for it on fourth and one. And to me, what it does is simplifies what is actually quite a complex and nuanced idea. You know, the, what, what is the idea behind analytics in sport? The way I see it. And that's all I can... I guess that's all I can describe for you is how I see it. And that is that it is a tool to help us collate and quantify and study trends within the flow of the sport. Now they could be that could be a flow at any level of the sport a trend at any level of the sport. It could be to do with recruiting. You know, you could be analyzing how many recruits from, you know, how many uh, four-star wide receivers from South Carolina end up playing in-state. And you could look at that data for the last 30 years and go, well, is it getting more? Is it getting less? Is it whatever? You know, so so that's one area. That's like... I guess that understand that I'm riffing here. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm ad libbing here. So that's one level that you could be looking at it from a recruiting standpoint. You could go broadly the number of people watching the game. That involves analytics. How many different you know households in different states are watching? Different age demographics are people watching more you know on their on the tube, in the lounge room, at home through usual television. They're watching through cable TV. How many people are watching digitally through things like NFL Game Pass? That involves analytics. You could go, and then you can slice in to the 
the really fine detail of a quarterback's throwing motion. The analytics of, you know, are his feet setting correctly? Is the hip twisting and bringing, and, and you know, is his lower body linking in with the upper body? How is the angle of his arm? How quick is the release? How do his fingers leave the back of the ball as it exits the hand? Is all of that functioning as optimally as it can as it can within what we understand of you know body dynamics, body engineering, the engineering of athletes? And the numbers behind that, the science behind that, the equations, the geometry of it, that's analytics as well. And it's so much more than that. So when I hear broadcasters say, well, the analytics say you should go for it on fourth and one, what does that mean for the viewer at home? Well, you know... The eggheads up in the box on the computers say uh, that when they punched in some numbers, uh, they want more teams to go for it on fourth down. Because, you know, <laughs> uh, you know the, the next-gen stats say your win percentage increases by 15% if you go for it on fourth down more. Like, that's the kind of finger-painting we get of analytics. The reason that it pisses me off is because it contributes to fostering the divide between quote-unquote analytics people and quote-unquote traditional football people. You know, the people who, who are sitting at home going, what are these computer idiots on about? My granddaddy never would have gone for it on fourth down. We pun in that situation and we never lost no games punning on fourth down. And that's me showing the simplification of of the quote-unquote traditional football people because that is not... That sells them short too. My problem is that the analytics says is one end of an extremist discussion about how football should be managed, how the process of football should unfold. The other, the other, the extreme other end is, as I just demonstrated, the, you know, the the class, the traditional pound the rock. I'm not saying you shouldn't run the football, but you know that's the other extreme. Just punt. You don't go for it on fourth down. Just punt and pound the football. Go and hit someone. Like to me. Analytics people who close themselves off to traditional-minded football people cut off their nose to spite their face. And traditional football people who ignore analytics cut off their nose to spite their face. What I want to see is the perfect amalgamation of the two. Because here's the thing, right? Before we get back to the, the, the specifics of what does that mean? What does it mean to go... The, when analytics says... You should go for it on 4th and 1. When Troy Aikman says, you know what, analytics says that you should go for it here on 4th and 1. What does he mean there? Before that, let's look at what 
the way in which traditional football people use analytics. Because they do. They have. A coach who says, oh, I don't trust analytics. I rely more on my gut, on my gut instinct. You know, lessons I learned from my granddad and my dad and his dad or whatever. You know, from my high school coach, my Pop Warner coach, he always told me, blah, blah, blah. That is analytics. That is collating and quantifying and processing and using a set of data or multiple sets of data to inform your decision-making in the present. The sets of data just happen to be what your Pop Warner coach told you, what your high school coach told you, what your dad told you, you know, watching football, what that told you. It's, it's more of an internal organic process, but you're still analyzing. You are still involved in the process of analytics because you're analyzing sets of data in order to make a decision. So people who are afraid that computers are going to take over the game, I really think it's a non-issue. What you're seeing with coaches like your John Harbour for the Ravens, you know, who, who's sort of one of those coaches that's always thrown out there as, oh, the Ravens really, you know, they really have a lot of trust in their analytics department. It's no different to a coach saying, well, I'm trusting my gut here because their gut is the computer. The gut is what is, you know, is where the processing is happening. We've, you know, they've got in the back of their mind all these experiences in which they've gone for it on fourth down before. Did they have positive outcomes? Did they have negative outcomes? Did they were they more likely to score when they went for it on fourth down? Did they feel like they turned the ball over a lot? You know, having watched the tape of the opposition, how did games work out when the opposition went for it on fourth down? Or did they seem vulnerable? to, you know, jumping off sides or something, if you could get up to the line and look like... You're doing all that internally. The quote-unquote analytics people are just using a, you know, computer programs and to, to do the heavy lifting part of it. So that's something I want to say. Like, this is no different to anything else that we've ever had in football, in any sport. Football coaches, football stars, football operations football franchises and organizations are looking to find the edge. They're looking to find some sort of advantage in a game that's, you know, salary capped and, you know, there's so much talent in the NFL. The rosters, you know, in a lot of ways have so much comparative talent across 32 teams. They're looking for any edge and that's no different to anything. It's no different to someone inventing a different offense, someone who looked and went, gosh, you know, we run the ball every down. Why don't we start throwing it more? It's it's no different to the forward pass. You know, people said, oh, the, you know, the forward passes, the, you know, that's going to ruin the game. That's going to take the football out of football. Well, you know, how many of us would like to see the forward pass removed from the game? The forward pass has improved the run because it added a different threat for the opposition to worry about. If you can throw it 50 yards down the field, well, suddenly they've got to worry about that. Suddenly you've got defensive backs that have to worry about that as opposed to just stopping the run. So let's get back to the fourth and one in the Thursday night football game. 
what annoys me about the simplicity of the call from the broadcasters, and it's not necessarily on them. You've only got so so much time, so many windows um, of sound to get those points across. But when you say, analytics says you should go for it here on 4th and 1. I want to know, as a viewer, and I think we would be better as a viewing, as a football viewing populace. I think we would have more understanding. I think people would fear analytics less if we knew what that meant. When I broke it down in my head, to me, the science wouldn't be saying, you know, if you go for it on fourth down and fourth down, fourth, fourth and one from your own 45, you are 25% more likely to win the game. I have a hard time thinking that that's as simple as it is. Because it lacks any sort of subtlety. And I know that there's, you know, if I have access to bigger data sets than that, then the football staffs of the Tennessee Titans have access to bigger data sets than that. So it would be so much better if Troy Aikman says, you know, the analytics thinking here is that you go for it here on fourth down and one. The reason being, the Colts, and I'm just riffing and making up numbers here, just as an example. So you should go for it on fourth down and one here. The analytics says you should go for it on fourth down and one here. The Colts have failed to stop the opposition on fourth downs near the halfway mark of the field, 65% of the time this season. And when they've conceded a fourth down, the opposition has scored on 70% of those drives. Suddenly, that paints a, a, a more complete picture of what the thought process is. Or maybe it's saying, well, the Tennessee Titans, they should go for it here on fourth down and one from their own 45. Because if they punt and the Colts get it from their 25, say, their own 25, well, they've scored on 70% of those drives from their own 20. They've also scored on... 70% 70% of drives from the opposition 45. So it's about the same percentage chance that they'll score, whether you punt the ball back to them or you keep the ball and turn it over on downs. I don't know if I'm communicating that clearly, but what I'm saying is there's more that goes into this, surely, than just a winning percentage. And I know the arguments... You know, then improving your, your next-gen stats. Well, you know, your, your percentage of winning the game goes up 15% if you go for it on fourth down here. There has to be more to it than that. I'm positive that there's more to it than that. And the thing is, the viewers at home deserve to understand that. They deserve to be brought into the picture. Now, it's not necessarily... I'm not saying it's all on Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman is... You know, I really enjoy listening to Troy Aikman. I really enjoy listening to Joe Buck. But what I want from our broadcast is more detail in that stuff. It doesn't have to be big. It could be you spend one section 
coming back from an ad break saying, now look, on the when we mentioned earlier, you know, that the the Tennessee Titans, you know, their their analytics staff said that they should go for it on fourth down and one there. Well, here's what they're dealing with. Here's here's the numbers that they're thinking with. Here's the data that they're applying to the situation. Bring up a graphic. Explain it. Explain what those numbers are. Explain what the decision-making process could be for them in that process. Give us an insight. We do it with so many other things. You know, you come back from an ad break and you're saying you're explaining the blocking play of the offensive line or how a successful blitz was run. Give us something like that. Just give us a graphic on the way back from an ad break about, hey, for those of you who are interested, here's a little more information. When we say that a team, you know, is is considering going for it here on fourth down, you know, which seems to go against, you know, maybe traditional football thinking or whatever. And, you know, this is being driven by analytics, technology. Give us more information. Help reduce the fear of the idea. Because I think at the moment, it's actually a non-issue. Analytics is just another way in which coaches and football staffs are trying to find an edge. But I think a lack of education in the general football viewership and look, myself included, I'm making educated guesses as to what the thinking is. I want to know more. I want to learn more about how they make these decisions, on what numbers these decisions are based. How much of it is just a coach going, I, I've got a feeling I want to go for it on fourth down. Can you back me up with some numbers? I don't know, but I would like to know. I want to learn more about that, and I really would like... I don't want it dumbed down, I guess. I don't want it simplified. And there's so much in football on the broadcast that we're expanding into. You know, you listen to Tony Romo. You listen to any of the, you know, the really great color guys. I like listening to Chris Collinsworth. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I love listening to him break down plays. And we don't necessarily dumb it down. Expand on it a little bit. And I get you're working within the parameters of a broadcast. You only have so much time. But I just failed to see how we couldn't get graphics on that. Classic example of how it's dumbed down, though, again, was the... uh, I saw a graphic, I think it was from Next Gen, saying before the DeAndre Hopkins catch, the Cardinals had 8% win chance. After the DeAndre Hopkins catch, the Arizona Cardinals had a 99% win probability. And I'm just like, give me a break. Like, that is, that presentation of those numbers just makes analytics and data-driven football analysis look moronic. I can t- and I'm someone who likes numbers. I love analytics. I love looking at football in terms of its percent percentages and its ratios and its yards per carry and its yards after like after contact. I, you know, you've probably heard me badger on before about you know quarterback passing yards. To me, I think we should have it broken down into two stats. I think we should have quarterback yards as the air yards and then in brackets put the total yards. 
So that includes what the receiver got after the catch. But the, the quarterback's primary number should be their air yards. And let's do away with completion percentage and find a way to track and present accuracy. Not just did you complete the ball, where, where was the ball meant to go? How close did you get it there? I mean, we've got GPS trackers on all the players. We've got GPS trackers in the freaking ball. Look at what baseball's doing with some of its 360-degree cameras and things. And, 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 you know, you've got sabermetrics talking about, you know, slicing up the, the outfield into, you know, grids and, and mapping where the action happens. And come on, like in football, we've already got a grid. The field is already a grid. Let's let's map this. Track accuracy, not completion percentage. It's such a sort of cave painting way of trying to track what's going on on the field. So this win percentage thing, like with the Cardinals, I was just like, it's such a it's such a dumbing down of the idea. It's such an underselling of what analytics has to offer. Like, yeah, <laughs> no S, Sherlock. Like, I I can also watch. Like, as if, I, as if any viewer can't come away from the game, you know, and go, you know what, with seven seconds left and Kyler Murray being pursued on the boundary 40 yards out, trailing by four points... I probably would have put their win percentage at about 8% too. And after he got the catch for a touchdown with essentially no time left on the clock, I probably would have put their uh, their win probability at 99% too. I didn't need a computer to help me figure that one out. Like, let's go deeper. I would much rather understand what, you know, what... Uh, percent, what accuracy did Kyler Murray throw that ball with? How close was... What was the catch radius that he had to hit? What was the target size and how close to the bullseye did he put that ball when he was running? That's more interesting to me than their win. Like, of course their win probability went up to 99%. He just caught the game-winning touchdown with no time on the clock. Oh, it frustrates me because I feel like we're getting an undercutting of what is a really worthwhile and interesting philosophy in analytics. And I'd just like it explored more and explained more. And, you know, people go, oh, you can sign up for a next-gen stats account or, you know, pro football focus. And, you know, that's more money. And a lot of regular viewers don't have more money to spend. And I guess that's just a product of living uh, in a society that wants you to to spend more money. But I know at a certain point, aren't we talking about education? Isn't part of the broadcast job to not only entertain, but educate? To increase the understanding of the young people watching football who are going to be playing it in high school and then hopefully in college and then you know they're dreaming of playing it in the NFL aren't isn't there some incentive for us to try and better educate people 
And I'm not just talking football, I'm talking about everything. You know? Talking about everything. Surely. We're 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 better as a society. We're better and let's talk specifically about football. Surely we're better as a football community when we're as educated as possible. Just give us a proper exploration and an explanation of what that means. Unpack for us why the analytics says they should go for it here on fourth and one. I just get, and this, this, I'm not talking about Troy Aikman here, but there's a couple of crusty commentators um, that I've had to listen to bash on about, oh, I hate the, I hate it. I hate that call. I hate going for it on fourth down there. Why? Explain to us your reasoning. Not just I hate it. We never did that when I played. Give us a worthwhile reason to listen to you. Why not? Anyway, that's my rant. (laughs) That's my rant about analytics and I guess what I perceive as a misrepresentation of the concept uh, in in sort of mainstream media. And I think that, you know, some people would say, we've got to make it palatable. You've got to make it consumable. You know, I think of like... like, um, Cynthia Freeland, who works for NFL Network, you know, and and every week you sort of see that she's got these, you know, this, whether it's playoff likelihood, you know, percentage, you know, who's the what percentage, um, you know, that the Chiefs will make the playoffs or the, the game by game, who's more likely to win percentages. Well, you got the Steelers at 65% win percentage. And I get that. It kind of gets relegated to the side of of the conversation. You know, like we don't have... Well, I haven't found them. If you have, if you've found podcasts or YouTube channels or whatever it might be that talks about... And, and you know, like I'm happy to read books too, but what I'm talking about is like you know, a weekly NFL show that talks more about football in terms of, from, from an analytical perspective. Um, I can make a recommendation that uh, the Mina Kimes show, uh, I think she does, a. Uh, it's not all analytics, but she seems to come from an analytics perspective. And I like the way that she works that into her football analysis. I could have more I would love a show that's more dedicated to talking about the the analytics of football. So if you've got any recommendations uh, for me, maybe you've stumbled across a show, maybe you've stumbled across a podcast, hook me up. The email is thejbfe at gmail.com. Thejbfe at gmail.com. Hook me up. I'd love to have a listen. Uh, I'd love to have a look. Because that's what I'm interested in. I'm, yes, I'm interested in the, the books and the theories about, well, this is how analytics can be applied. I'm talking about actually broadcast or media presentation of this is the 2020 season, this is the 2020 season week 11, and this is how we're looking at it and breaking it down from an, pardon me, from an analytics perspective. That's what I'm really interested in. Because, look, I love the 
that more traditional human perspective breakdown. This is how I feel things are going to happen. You know, having watched the tape, that's that's great too. That's the bread and butter. That's what we you know that that forms the large part of football media. I'm really but. If someone's out there doing an analytics show well, would love, 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 love to have a listen. And conversely, if you know somebody who works uh, with analytics in sport, doesn't have to be football, could be baseball, could be, can be football, could be hockey, could be, I don't mind what it is, could be volleyball for all I care, could be cricket, could be golf. I'd love to talk to them could be at whatever level maybe they work in a college to do you know and that and they're applying sports analytics in that forum if you think they'd be willing to have a chat on the podcast would love to hear from them would love to hear from you with that maybe if you've got a contact that you can set me up with would love to have a chat with some people who work in analytics that maybe we could spend an hour breaking down so what are teams looking at when we're talking about should I go for it here on fourth down or not? I mean, and that's that's without even looking to it, the analytics of play calling in terms of what plays you should call where I'm sure some teams more than others are looking at statistical trends, you know, in terms of situation on the field, situation of the game, all that sort of thing. I'm sure some teams take more statistical, uh, data-driven approach to that than others. Would love to have a chat with anybody who uses the uh, data-driven analytics approach. Because I'd love to explore that process expand my knowledge on it and maybe expand your knowledge on it too that'd be cool because that's something i'm keen on is helping sorry i'm just shifting around i'm sitting on the floor (laughs) i basically have to record these episodes in this carpeted walk-in wardrobe that i have uh, because it's where i get my best sound but also I have crappy circulation and I start to get dead legs. <laughs> so anyway, that's my rant. Thank you for listening. I hope Troy Aikman fans don't feel like I was, you know, witch hunting Troy Aikman because that wasn't the intention. Troy is a byproduct of the environment. <laughs> that even sounds too harsh. You know, I get it. We've been presenting football in you know a particular way for so long. I j- I'm just saying that there's all this extra stuff that I feel like we could be presenting in a more interesting and educational and insightful way for viewers, um, enriching their experience. That would be nice. Stop misrepresenting the analytics, damn it. <laughs> Uh, and if you stop misrepresenting analytics, I'll stop misrepresenting traditional football heads. <laughs> Far out. Classic, uh, if you want to have a look at a really funny 
an interesting uh, statistical, some statistical figures. Go on to, I think it's Pro Football Reference. Pro Football Reference, I think. Look up Alvin Kamara's Pro Football Reference page and have a look at his receiving statistics and then have a look at his advanced receiving statistics. The uh, figures this year, and even in years past too, are, are really, it's a good way to look at why you can't just box score scout if you want to if you want to understand through numbers what happened in the game. Like, I, I can't get to watch every football game, the 16 a week, but if you want to, you know, and so a lot of us turn to the box score to go, okay, so let's get an idea of what happened. And to me, that's part of the function of statistics. That's part of the function of a box score. We should be putting in numbers and presenting the numbers in such a way as to paint the most accurate picture of the events that occurred for those people who didn't witness them. So when I talk about, oh, Drew Brees threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Never mind that 112 of those 300 yards were air yards and the other 188 were yards after the catch gained by a guy like Alvin Kamara. So, you know, essentially Breeze is hitting a bunch of short, shallow routes. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not me critiquing the way that Drew Breeze plays. I, I get it. You, not everyone's bombing it down the field 50 yards. That's fine. I'm just talking about in terms of creating an accurate picture for people of what happened when they didn't get to see the game. That, to me, is the function of a box score, of statistical record-keeping of sport. What happened? And can we paint an, a more accurate picture of it with numbers for people? Can we use the data we have better? But go and have a look at Alvin Kamara, because if you compare his, his you know, standard receiving stats of, you know, targets, catches, receiving yards, with his targets, catches, uh, you know, intended air yards or whatever it's called, and then yards after the catch, it's it's, it's pretty mind-boggling. I think through six, the first six weeks when I last had a look at it, you know, his his average depth of target was something like 0.1 yards downfield. But he was averaging, you know, 8.9 yards per catch or something like, you know, so, you know, the majority of his work is after he gets the ball in his hands, which makes sense. But it'd be great to have that broken down, receiving yards, and then, you know, in brackets, what it was after the catch, like I was talking about with the quarterback, having air yards and then total passing yards in brackets or something, or vice versa. Don't know. Anyway. I'm going to wrap it up. We're at around that 45-minute mark. Thanks so much for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed your time relaxing for 45 minutes with the JBFE. Hope it was a nice football meditation for you to take you away from the troubles of everyday life. Better get to work now because you're probably 45 minutes late because I played the part of the devil and was like, if you're on your way to work, 
pull off to the side of the road, go down to a river, kick off your shoes, listen to my podcast. Now you're 45 minutes late. Hopefully you weren't delivering any sort of important uh, presentation at work, you know, en route to trying to go for a promotion. Hopefully we haven't cost you a, a climb up the rung of the corporate ladder. Hopefully you haven't missed an important anniversary dinner. But hey, if you did, at least you got to listen to football chat for 45 minutes. All right. Until next time, guys, thanks so much for listening. You've been great. I've been reasonable. It's the JBFE. Thanks so much for listening. for joining us on the Jake Botel Football Experience. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at Jake Botel Football Experience and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts. Also, we invite you to support the JBFE on Patreon and you'll receive additional exclusive bonus content. Thank you again for joining us at the JBFE.